everyone. Welcome to Faithbrook Church. My name is Mike. I serve as a Connections Pastor here on staff. If you are a guest with us, I especially want to welcome you and thank you for taking time to join in with us. In fact, for those of you who are on site, would you take a moment to reach in the seat back in front of you and grab the blue connection card? Take a few moments, fill that out, and at the end of the service, you could drop that off into one of the giving boxes as you leave. For those of you who are online, you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest and fill out a connection card there as well. Now for every connection card that we receive, we make a donation to Cross Food Shelf, and this is just a small way in which we hope to make a big impact within our community. Additionally, I would love the opportunity to follow up with you and to thank you for joining in with us. So I look forward to connecting with you. Well, today we have a great rest of the service lined up. In fact, in just a few moments, we're going to hear a message from our lead pastor, Jim, as he kicks off our brand new summer series called Unsung Heroes. So you want to be sure to lean in for that. But before we do, there's one thing I want to share with you that I think you'll be quite interested in. Be sure to mark your calendar for Wednesday, July 27th at 5.30 p.m. right here on campus for our Summer Splash event. There's going to be fun activities for you and your family, including a bounce house with a water slide. There'll be little splash pools and water tables for the little ones and adults. We didn't forget you. There'll also be lawn games as well. In addition, you can order food from Grill Star Catering, which will have butter burgers, chicken fingers, french fries, cheese curds, and dessert. And best of all, all the proceeds from this event are going to go to help support Safe Haven Foster Shop, which is a nonprofit organization who is geared towards getting essentials for children in foster care. So not only is this going to be a fun time for you and your family, but you also can connect with others in the Faithbrook community and you get to support a great organization and a great cause as well. For more information, you can find it out at the Church Center app or you can go to faithbrook.church and tap on events in the top right. Now, registration is not required to attend the event, but if you're even considering showing up, we would ask that you do register so that we can have a headcount to make sure we have enough food for everyone. So I look forward to connecting with you on Wednesday, July 27th at 5.30 p.m. and having a great time. Well, this time as we continue in worship, let's welcome to the platform our lead pastor, Jim. Well, do you think there are a lot of grumpy people out there? You ever run into people that are cynical, skeptical, kind of a negative? Uh, sometimes uh, life can be tough, and uh, what we need sometimes is a little bit of encouragement, but a lot of times what we receive is a lot of grumbling and cynicism and negativity. It's kind of like the cynic that said to the person, hey, don't bother telling us people your troubles, half of them will not believe it, and the other half will believe that you deserve it, right? There's always some cynic. There's always people oppressing and being negative out there. If we ever needed a hero, someone to bring encouragement, it would be now. Well, hey, welcome to Faithwork this morning. I hope you had a great 4th of July weekend, and we've gathered back at our 10 o'clock here, and we are starting this new uh, series, Unsung Hero. A lot of times we like to pick on the, the big shots, the big heroes out of the Bible. You know, the Old Testament, there's a lot to, to look at. Moses and Abraham and David. You go to the New Testament, of course, there's Paul and there's the mother of Jesus, uh, Mary. And, of course, there's Jesus, right? The, these people get a lot of press, right? But what about the people behind the scenes? 
What about the other individuals who, who made an impact, that blessed in some way? So in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be picking on these people or characters and looking how they, they knew God, how they followed God, and how they were used by God. Now, I'm not going to be carrying all the water. We're going to let some of our other uh, clergy staff uh, take each individual. It's going to be a lot of fun. I encourage you to just keep track and, and learn from these unsung heroes in the Bible and how they impact us and they can impact our world. Now, the first person that we're going to be looking at today is Barnabas. Uh, we're going to kick it off with, with looking at what he was. We, we see Barnabas uh, showing up. First time we see his name is in the fourth chapter of the book of Acts. And this is how Luke wrote it in the fourth chapter. Barnabas, uh, 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 Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means the son of encouragement. Now, his official name was Joseph. But as they got to know him, this, this guy, he, he's such an encourager that he gave him this kind of nickname. This Barnabas, which everybody kind of knew in that culture, meant encouragement, the son of encouragement. And we're going to find that Barnabas, throughout the first months, the first years of the early church, Barnabas had great influence. And he influenced by the power of being an encourager. Now, let me give you a little bit of background about Barnabas and his setting and the situation in the church. Remember, uh, Jesus just rose from the dead. He, he was around by 40 days. He ascended, and he tells these believers, this little group of believers, hey, I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to be my witnesses. And, and they're scared to death. They're not sure. And he says, you stay right here. Uh, second chapter of Acts, and he brings on the Holy Spirit. They are filled with the the, the Holy Spirit. Now they're on fire for Jesus. They're bold. They're like, let's go for it. And there were people in Jerusalem when Pentecost happened. And now they're going back to their villages and their cities and countries. And they're like, man, we believe we've, we've heard the gospel that Jesus, he's the true Messiah. He died on the cross for our sins. And, and he rose from the dead. He separated himself from any religion and any prophet or person that he's the real deal. And we believe. And, and all of a sudden this, this Christianity starts picking up momentum, right? Well, the, the Jewish believers in Jerusalem, they're going back to their families and their homes like, hey, I'm in with Jesus. I, I believe he's the deal. I've received him. And in fact, the power of his spirit has come upon me. And there, a lot of them are like, well, get out of our house. We don't like you anymore. We're, we're Judeo-grounded people, and you are a little sect and weirdos and radicals. And so they find themselves kind of on the outskirts of Jerusalem, just trying desperate, trying to band together. Where do we go from here? Now we, we, the spirit is honest and people are talking, but we have no resources. We have no structure. There's no church homes or leadership or anything like that. And how are we, how are we going to uh, feed everybody and, and, and control and, and, and go forward, right? And, and there's a lot of cynics out there. There's people back in Jerusalem saying, have you heard about those radical people believing that guy from, from Nazareth, that Jesus Christ, right, he, who rose from the dead? I don't know if that's the truth, but ha! They're not going to make it. There's just one more little sect. There's just one more little movement out there. They'll fade away. Nobody likes them. And meanwhile, we see in chapter 4, there they are. There's like, oh, what's going to happen? And, and Barabbas is in the middle of all of this. And Barabbas knows that, that there's going to need some encouragement. Have you ever needed encouragement before? I, I would submit to you that, that almost every organization, every person has something that really drains them or, or, or 
um, discourages them. I think a lot of times people come in churches, go to work, show up at their schools, community events, and a lot of times underneath the surface there's stuff that's just hurting them. And if they could just hear something or be encouraged by somebody would make a major difference. And we're going to find in Barabbas' life that he was an encourager. And we're going to find that a little encouragement can leave a lasting legacy. And we're going to find Barabbas encourages three ways specifically in the book of Acts. And the first way that we see him encouraging is by contributing versus consuming. Contributing versus consuming. Like I said, this, this church, these people, I would say, it's just in the infancy. They're, they're just starting together, and they don't have any money. They don't have any structure and plans and all this stuff, but we know God is on them, and people are talking, and the buzz is out there, right? And so Peter and some of the other leaders, like, we gotta, we got to pull it together here. Everybody's left their fields and their, their work, and, and, and they're hungry, and we got plans to travel, and we needed some money. And so Luke, who wasn't a, a, Luke, who wrote this, he was not an original disciple, but he's writing this all very carefully of these historical things that happened in the first church of, of Christianity, the first couple of months. And so in the fourth chapter, he writes it like this. All the believers were all in one heart and mind. They're all in. We've, we've left our families. We believe in this Jesus guy. We're, we're going for it. They're all together. No one claimed to have any of their possessions was their own. We're, we're going to be sharing here. Got that? Yes. But they all shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what set them apart. This is what made them kind of so radical and so passionate. A lot of people claimed they were the way, the truth. A lot of people claimed that this religion and that faith and this kind of stuff. But Jesus was the only one that says, watch me die. I will die for you. And I will back it up in three days. I will raise myself from the dead. No one has ever done that in history. They're convinced. This is what they're preaching. This is what they're selling right here. And all God's grace was so powerfully working in all of them that they all, there was no needy persons among them. They were so generous. They're all unified. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. They brought the money from the cells and put it at the apostles' feet, the leaders of the church. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. Just go ahead, pastors, leaders, you, you know the people. You, you give to anybody in need. And here you go. Here comes his Barnabas, Joseph, the Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, the, the, the encouragement guy. He sold a field. And he, what he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. So here he goes. He encouraging by contributing rather than, than just being a consumer. Now, back then, people didn't have cash and bank accounts and kind of stuff. And if you had any kind of assets or wealth, you had property, especially fields. This is where you grew crops, right? Or maybe uh, you had some livestock. But, but it was all about maybe having some fields or, or a house or something like that. And, and they were considered somewhat wealthy. And so other people, including Barabbas, said, I'm going to encourage but I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to give in a significant way. And, and here's the money. Church, you, you do what you need to do with it. That was incredibly helpful because right then and there, that, that, that church was so fragile, 
Would they make it? Would they have any uh, financial confidence and resources to, to travel or to help or, or, or to give? I'm sure that the leader, Peter, at that time, he was so thankful. He's like, thank you, Barabbas. I, I wasn't sure how we're going to go forward here and, and we're going to do well with this, this money. And, and see, we never know how critical our contributions are uh, to, uh, and the, moving the kingdom of God forward. A lot of times our, our money goes to the church, it goes to leaders, and they dispense it, and that trickles down through people's lives. It, it trickles on throughout eternity of what we give to give this lasting legacy. Man, I remember, um, you know, uh, seven years ago, our church used to be in Osseo, and we had these plans to, to, to move out here, and it was going to be expensive, and, and we tried to get our uh, ducks in a row and, and do it right, and, and it was going to be tight, man. And we went to the uh, realtor and said, what, could we, what kind of equity could we get from our church? And they well, I think we can get you about like this maybe, and we think we got you a buyer, okay. And then, and then went to the bank and said, hey, we're just a little church. We're trying to move out there, and we got this property, and the builder says it's going to cost this, and we don't have that kind of money, and could you loan us some money? We'll promise to pay you back. And the bank's like, eh, I don't know. Okay, well, we're going to give you this. We'll take a risk on you. And, and, and our leaders just said, okay, we're, we're short. We're, we're close, but we're short. We're short like $200,000. And in our mind and heart, was like, man, if we could close that gap, then we could have the confidence to sell the building and relocate and build the building that you're sitting in. But, but we're looking around each other, and, and the, the builders and the real estate people like, you got to make this quick. You, it's got to happen quick. You only have this so much window, or the, the buyer's going to go away, and the banker's like, we're not going to be in. you know. So, so we're praying and sweating, and we're like, God, how are we going to raise $200,000 like, you know, like in three or four months? I mean, who's got that kind of money sitting around in our church, right? So we start praying, and I'm having private, private prayers, and Scott, how, how do I do this? How do I present to the people and say, man, who would be willing to sacrifice? And I knew that it's going to have to take some big money quick, and, and I didn't think we had a lot of deep pockets in our church. I don't know those types of people. And by the way, you don't even supposed to talk about big money and giving big money. That's kind of taboo, right? But so uh, we, we came up with a kind of a vision called the vision one eight and God gave me an idea. So Jim, why don't you do this? Why don't you present our opportunity to people haven't pray about it and uh, say, Hey, um, we're looking for four people that could give in the next several months, $25,000. Privately, I'm thinking, who has $25,000 sitting around, Matt? We don't, right? Oh, oh, okay, four people, that gives $100,000. And then maybe I get 10 people to sacrificially contribute $10,000 in the next couple months. He's just got to come out of savings or someplace, right? Sell something or do something, right? And, and we went for it, right? And it's like, oh, God, help us with this. Okay, if you're one of those $25,000, and if you're one of those 10000 and others, give what you can. We're praying. Here comes our, our Sunday, right? And it's like, please, God, let's see if we can get close to that so we can relocate. And sure enough, God was faithful. And uh, people pledged over two hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it was like two forty or something like that. God blew our mind. It was a, it was a miracle. And sure enough, I'm not sure who those people were, but there was a couple of people that shelled out twenty five thousand dollars in in a couple of months. Hallelujah! Praise God. Personally, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. That is so encouraging. We're going to make it. I could go to our people and said, God is in this thing. Why? Because some people were willing to give $10,000. Some people, I'm not exactly who they were, we gave $25,000. We can do this thing. My friends, sometimes contributions are so encouraging to the kingdom of God. 
I know a lot of times wealthy people get picked on sometimes. Oh, look at those rich people's up. But behind the scenes sometimes, sometimes it takes the wealthy people to have assets or fields who are willing to give chunks of money for the kingdom of God to go forward, especially when it comes into capital campaigns and, and, and build, buildings such as this. Praise God for them. Well, Barnabas was one of those people who had some assets. He contributed rather than just consuming. Well, I don't have some money. Let someone else give. Those rich people over there, and they can do it. We're just going to sit here and just suck up church and, and do what the church can do for us rather than contributing. So here he was. He was willing to contribute. You know, my friends, I've, I've been in this ministry thing for quite a long time, and I've had the privilege to see and hear of people giving generously. Uh, I've known people that give scholarships that pull me aside and say, hey, you know, I know that family's got three kids. They can't get them to camp. Uh, we're, me and my wife, we're going we're gonna to pay for that. Or I've known people give vehicles to people or vehicles to the church, right? Or there's a project, extra project, and they'll say, hey, pastor, we're going to take care of that. Praise God. Not everybody can do that, but some people can encourage by contributing significant money and generosity that others cannot. And that was Barabbas. And see, you never know how critical contributions can be to the kingdom of God until we give small ones, big ones. They all count, and Barnabas understood this. Now, the second place where we see Barnabas... Uh, encouraging is in chapter 9. Now, let me give you a little background on chapter 9. Some of you might know in chapter 9, that's the, the epic story of when Paul was converted. So Paul's former name was called Saul of Tarsus, and he was like the major jerk against these Christian people. Uh, he hated the Christians. And by the way, the, the, the early church was not called Christians. They were called people of the way. Those people over there, who believes that Jesus guy, they're the, the people of the way, right? And this, this Saul guy hated him. He was a big-time Jewish person, and he saw all these people of the way as threats to their religion and their traditions. And he set out, and you look in Acts, and there's accounts of, of Saul of Tars, uh, you know, uh, persecuting people, hurting people. And, and we see in chapter 9 that he's on his way to a town called Damascus, and he's going to rat out these, these people of the way. He's going to find them, track them down, turn them in. Help, maybe they get killed or in prisons. That's what he's all about. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, no, uh not today, Mr. Saul. You're going down. He brings out this light man. He knocks him off this horse. He confronts him. He says, hey, Saul, who do you think you are? And who are you persecuting? Immediately, Saul's like, oh, I'm in trouble, right? Oh, uh, this guy is for real, right? This beaming light. He says, why are you persecuting me? I am Christ, God's son. You are harming me. And right there, man, his heart was crushed. He repented. He turned and went another way. And we see in chapter 9, all of a sudden, now he's, he's converted. He's like a believer. And not only did he just go away, man, he's like, I'm going to start preaching. I've, I've had an encounter with the living God. This Jesus guy is real. And, and he starts preaching. And people are kind of freaking out because wasn't you the anti-Christian guy? And now you're, you're pro-Christian guy. And you're, you're talking about the Jesus guy that used to hate. And, and people are totally confused. And word's getting out to all these kind of... Christian people, the people of the way. Hey, do you know Saul? Taros, everybody knew who Saul was. Stay away from him, man. He's going to turn us in, right? But did you hear he's preaching up in Damascus? What? 
Yeah, yeah, he's on our side. And he's like, Jesus is the way. And they're like, I don't know about that. I mean, this guy has turned in my relatives and my friends, and he's a bad guy. I don't know about that. Well, uh, Paul just starts tearing it up there and preaching and, and causing trouble, man. And, and the Jewish people in hierarchy are like, man, we don't like this guy. He's betrayed us. Let's get him and try to kill him. So all of a sudden, Paul's like, man, I got to run for my life. So he's running away from Damascus, right? He's like, we're going to go. Well, he's like, well, I'm, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. That's where the, the believers of the way are. That's where the, the leadership is. And, and I'm going to go in there and introduce myself. So he comes rolling into uh, Jerusalem, and the people are hearing that, that the Saul guy, who's now God's given the name of Paul, is coming into territory. I'm like, whoa, he better not be coming here. I, I don't like that guy. Kind of not, he's not invited at all, but one guy, one guy was willing to include him, and that was Barnabas. And Barnabas in, in, encouraged by including, not excluding. He included, and we see the scriptures how Luke wrote it this way. So, so when Paul came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. His reputation was like, uh-uh. Not believing that he really was a disciple. Who knows? He could have been a spy. He's faking us out. He's going to turn us in. But Barnabas, he took him in. Barnabas included him, brought him to the apostles. More than that, he, he vouched for, for Saul. On his journey, he has seen the Lord, and the Lord has spoken to him, and how in Damascus he has preached fiercely in the name of Jesus. This guy's legit. He's now being used of God. He's going to the Apostle Paul, not the Solitaris. You, you, I, I believe in him. Take him in. Include him, right? My friends, you know how powerful that is when someone is willing to welcome you and believe in you and vouch for you? See, I think one of the number one things people are asking when you go into a new social setting, let's say it's a work environment or a school or community or even a church, you know what they're asking? There's like, will people accept me? Will they like us? Are, are we welcome here? Or is this their club and their people? And I would su- suggest to you a lot of times, it's not always easy to include. Who's the new person? I don't know, right? I've been here longer than you, and we know how things work, and you might threaten my position or my reputation, and so we kind of exclude them a little bit, right? And you don't maybe look like us, maybe act like us, and, and so it's just very easy to exclude people, and we don't even know it, right? But Barnabas modeled for us that he gave Paul the benefit of the doubt and said, come with me. I'll vouch for you. And he went to the hierarchy and the leaders and said, this guy's real. Let's, let's include him. When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you saw someone that was kind of new or maybe different and you took a risk and you were willing to say, man, I don't know you very well, but, but you're welcome to sit at my table. You're welcome to come to my house, uh, maybe strike up a conversation. Tell me a little bit about who you are, your story, try to make them feel comfortable. We can do that. I, I, would, I would suggest to you that that can be pivotal in our life. Has that ever happened to you? Maybe back in college, maybe in high school someplace, and maybe a, a work environment, a coworker said, hey, welcome to the company. Man, I remember a pivotal situation uh, back in, I was in college, and I, I was passionate about following Christ. I, went to, I was um, at the University of Missouri, very secular setting, I was I had my little Christian club that I, I kind of started and stuff, but 
I'd hang out with these other Christian kids that didn't go to my university. And one of my good friends, his dad was a big time preacher. And he would travel the, the nation preaching different churches. And, and back then they called him evangelist, right? Everybody knew who this guy was. And he was a big shot. But I, okay, I, I was at his house. And, but me and his son and I hung out. And it was great. So, so uh, he had asked me once in a while what's happening down on my secular university, right? And he knew man, I was in love with Jesus trying to make a, a difference down there. And one day he invited me to this, this pastor's banquet kind of thing. I was a pastor's banquet thing. He said, oh, yeah. All the big shots are coming in from the nation, and we're going to have this big conference thing and this swanky banquet thing, and I want you to sit at my table. I want you to come with me. Uh, they called me back, and they called me Jimmy. I was like, uh, uh, okay, I don't belong there, and everybody's going to have suits on, stuff like that. I'm thinking, why, why are you inviting me? But I don't know. I was kind of game for it, right? So I tag along with this big shot, and we walk into this big swanky banquet, and all these guys coming in these suits on, man. I'm just like this little kid. I was like, and they all like big shots and stuff like that. And I was, I was kind of critical of, of the church I was kind of hanging out with. I, I thought they were kind of very uh, posturous and uh, uh, they're all kind of like suit and tie people. And the people I was trying to reach were like, we don't need that, right? And so I was kind of like judgmental sitting at this table. And, and all of a sudden the, the speakers get up and they start sharing about their heart. And their, their love for Christ and their love for the communities and people far from God and people hurting and, and they want to reach him. And how can we reach him and stuff? I'm like, man, I'm, that's just speaking to me. I, that's where I'm at, right? I'm leaning into these guys like, wow, okay. And then the, the big shot, big shot guy, right? He gets up and he's going to pray. I'll never forget this. I'm like, man, dude, the big shot. He's got these big titles, whatever. We all better pray, man. And all of a sudden he starts praying and the place just explodes with the spirit of God. I mean, everybody starts praying. This guy's just talking about being broken and humbled for God, just being a conduit, and we are nothing. May the Spirit flow through us, and I'm just like, start crying. And I'm just like, dude, man, this place the Holy Spirit. And, and so the evangelist guy that put me, he's like, thanks for coming, Jim. I'm glad you're here. God bless you, and, and took me home. I was like, wow, that was significant in my life. Now, folks, I was not planning on being a minister. I wasn't thinking I was a pastor. The calling was not on my life. I was going on and going into business and sales, whatever. But I was a Christian. But that guy touched my life because he included me in an important thing. And because of what I experienced there, and I got to sit at his table, I started believing in this this, this tribe, this movement called the Church of the Nazarene. And now I've been in it for 30 years. Why? Because this gentleman took this runty little green college kid and said, I'll pay your way. You come and sit at my table. Has anybody ever done that in your life? You know, the Apostle Paul later in Galatians talks about the heroic thing of Barnabas, including him in chapter 2 of Galatians, where he wrote about Barnabas he said, quote, he gave me the right hand of fellowship. You are welcome here. Come on in. These are my people. This is my tribe. This is my family. You're one of us. How encouraging is that? To give people the benefit of doubt instead of being critical and cynical. Well, you need to prove yourself. You haven't been around here. That's one of the most powerful things we can do. In fact, I heard a couple of years ago that the corporations have started this initiative called Positive Intent. Maybe you've heard about this, that, that we need to see our colleagues with positive intent. If there's a new person or if there's a conflict or something like this, you need to just think to yourself, you know what? They're trying their best. 
uh, they're doing their, they're, they're coming in with this, this difference with positive intent, believe in them, give them the benefit of the doubt. I thought, man, that's very Christian. That's very uh, Barnabas to say, hey, I, I'm going to trust you in this. It's one of the best things we can do. Sometimes around Faith Broke here, I get very encouraged because I see you stepping out and trying to include people and welcoming people. One of the most uh, uh, intense things to do is to try a new church. You know, we're, we've never been there before. We're not, these people are creepy or dogmatic or what's that all going to be like, right? And, and when we just welcome people and say, hey, we're, we're, we're just humble people here. Come on in. We're trying to learn and stuff. That can be so encouraging for people, just like Barnabas. Hey, maybe you can go and say, I haven't met you yet. My, my name is Jim. You might say, how long have you been attending Faithbrook, right? Do you live around here or something? And, and next thing you know, you're, you're, you're making them feel comfortable and welcoming. It's what Barnabas does. And those little acts of encouragement can have a lasting <clears throat> legacy. Now, the third way that Barnabas encouraged people, he encouraged the church by reinfor- for- reinforcement versus reluctance. Reinforcement versus being reluctant. And what I mean by this is that there was a church called Antioch who now got the buzz. There was people that were in Jerusalem. They went back to their hometown to Antioch. They're believing. They're sharing. And this little bit of church starts growing. And, and believers in this town of Antioch. Well, of course, people hear about this. And all of a sudden, there's negativity, criticism, complaining, and even oppression to persecution. Now they're getting scared. They're like, um, wow, um, people don't like us anymore. We're being discriminated. We're trying to believe in this Jesus stuff. And so the, the big church back in Jerusalem hears about this and says, these people need some encouragement. Uh, they're ready to give up. It's getting too hard to follow Christ. And so they asked or they sent, guess who? Barnabas. And this is how it's written in the scriptures. News of this reached this church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw that the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. I have a feeling that that was so pivotal. Someone showed up. Hey, I want to introduce myself. The, the Jerusalem church heard that you guys were kind of doubting and struggling. I want you to just encourage you to reinforce what we believe that he did raise from the dead. He is the son of God and there is a heaven and you are on the right track. He is the way, the truth and the life. And he encouraged him and, and he stepped into that environment. You know, again, a lot of times we are in doubt. A lot of times we're not sure. A lot of times we are battling things. It just takes one voice, one person to put our arm around us, to just encourage us, to compliment us, to say something. But it takes that person to step out and say, I'll do that. I'd be willing to reinforce the things that are true of God in your life. And a lot of times we, we want to be reluctant. Now, I had this situation happen a couple of weeks ago that uh, uh, my, my next door neighbor, he's a retired uh, elderly gentleman, and we became friends, and we um, tease each other and help each other with work projects, trade tools, things like this. All of a sudden, um, a ambulance shows up in front of his house, his driveway. And uh, Terry's like, hey, man, there's an ambulance next door. And, uh-huh. and uh, I'm like, whoa. And uh, looking around, and his grandson comes out, and he says, Jim, uh, it's my granddad. Uh, he, he had a stroke or something, heart attack or something, and he's going to the hospital. Well, I, I hate to admit this, 
But, but right there, I was kind of like, oh, well, um, mm, um, what should I do, right? And I, I confess that my flesh, I was kind of reluctant. I was like, ooh, this is scary. And uh, wow, I don't know when, and should I go over there or not, right? <clears throat> Even though I know they're in crisis and stuff, right? Because you never know. I mean, is he dead? And, and do they want this? It's a private situation. Private situation, you know, and half of me wanted to go. Then I'm like, what are you talking about? You're pastor. You're pastor. You need to run to there. What are you talking about? You big chicken, right? And, and, and then the spirit of God's like, okay, no, they need, they need encouragement, right? And I'm thinking, I don't know what to say. You're like, you should know what to say. You're pastor. Well, I do know what to say, but I'm not sure. Okay. So, so I'm kind of looking around there, right? And he's kind of the stretcher, right? And the EMTs and all that stuff, you know? And so, you know, I just stood there. I just like, man, basically I'm here for you. He goes rolling out and they put him in. I say, like, hey, Craig, I said, be praying for you. God's with you. Hang in there. He was kind of semi-conscious, you know, and they, they closed the doors and whoo, the, and there his wife standing there, his grandson. And so right there was a chance for me to reinforce. I said, man, I'm sorry about this. I'm sure you're scared to death, but uh, Terry and I are going to be praying for you. And if you need anything, we're right here. And she shared a lot of things. And, and for the rest of the weeks, we were checking on her and, and knocking on their door and helping them with their lawn and things like this. And so he, here's a chance. Either we're going to be reluctant or we're going to reinforce the goodness of God. We don't have to be elaborate. We don't have to have the perfect words. We don't have to uh, be, be a pastor, but we at least can just go to the, the fray. We can go to the need, right? If, if anything, just stand there and say, we're here for you. If you need anything, we're, we're going to be by you. We're right next door. This is reinforcing the good things of God. And he, he encouraged them to say, may stay true. I, I again, submit to you that a lot of times people are in the balance. And, and just to text them or to uh, send them a note or verbally say, man, it's good to see you. Um, anything I can do for you or just a compliment, right? I have a feeling that people inside our families, um, our spouses probably needed a little bit of encouragement. I think a lot of times in our marriages, we just assume things are okay. In fact, a lot of times we're, we're easily uh, critical of maybe our spouse and, hey, you didn't put that away and why didn't you do that? And, uh, and they're like, man, man I'm, I'm working hard out there, right? I'm up against it. And so once the last time, we tried to encourage our, our kids, our, our, our spouses, hey, way to go, good job, I appreciate you, you're looking good. In fact, uh, 30 years ago, there was a breakthrough book by Gary Chapman called The Five Love Languages, and he discovered that a lot of, almost every individual resonates with one or two of these love languages. It's like time or gifts or affection, and, and one of them is, is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. And a lot of people would really like to receive some words of affirmation. And, and that's what Barnabas did. When he reinforced and say, you know what? God believes in you. I believe in you. Uh, so I would encourage you to say, maybe your spouse or your family member or even a coworker could use a little bit of words of affirmation. You know, I appreciate you doing the dishes. Thank you so much for, for working so hard. And uh, you're looking good today. And I love you. I think that can go a long ways in a really hectic, stressful, cynical world today. Well, before we, we close, I want you to notice the next verse that Luke, how he describes this Barnabas guy. Look how he describes him. He was a good man, 
full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. A good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. I have a feeling that, that if Barnabas was in our church, man, people will know, hey, that guy, he's full of faith, man. He, he's he full of the Holy Spirit. Are we full of the Holy Spirit? A lot of times we know what the Holy Spirit is. We believe in the Holy Spirit. But a lot of times we're just like mm, quarter of the Holy Spirit. This guy was full. He was entirely full with God's Spirit. Therefore, I think he had a positive outlook. Therefore, th- uh, that he had encouragement to people because full of God's Spirit. And then what they described him as, as a good man. A good man. Would people describe you as a good woman? A good man? Uh, could you imagine going, uh, being at, at uh, your, your funeral and going to the cemetery and there is the gravestone and the epitaph. Here lays you or me. They were a good man. He was a good man. She was a good woman. I think there's some depths to that. That it says a lot. And Luke was saying a lot about Barnabas. That he was a good man. Full of God and full of faith. This is what Barnabas leaves us, this unsung hero. And a little encouragement can leave a lasting legacy. And there's three ways that we learn from the book of Acts that Barnabas can encourage and you can encourage. And that is to reinforce rather than reluctance, and to include rather than exclude, and to contribute rather than just be a consumer. So I want to encourage you this week to pick out one of those. Maybe God is asking you to be an encourager. Maybe you have some assets, some financial assets, and you know there's a need. And you have that luxury and say, hey, I'm going to be like Barnabas and, and pastor or nonprofit or something. Hey, if you need anything, here, here's some finance. I want to contribute and encourage. I'm sure that would encourage them. I want to, I want to challenge you this week that there might be someone that needs a friend, Right? That are like, mm, you know, I'm just going to go over and talk to them, right? Maybe invite them someplace or include them somehow instead of just kind of avoiding. And thirdly, right, speak into someone's life. Uh, it doesn't take much. Maybe just a little bit of compliment would, would add value to people's day, life, right? Or just say, man, I appreciate what you do. Uh, I, I know you're working hard, and I see good things in you. And God is for you. I, I think that goes a long ways of encouragement that can leave a lasting legacy. <clears throat> you know, when I think about this, this unsung hero, it's not like we bring up Barnabas all the time, right? And, and maybe encouragement is not the first thing that pastors are preaching about every Sunday, but encouragement is so valuable in a negative world. And I think about the, the impact that was in my life. You know, I've had the luxury of, of being mentored by four men besides my dad, uh, four men that encouraged me. Um, and one of them was a, a family from Minnesota. His name was um, Fitzgerald. Uh, I called him Captain Fitzgerald because, or Captain, because he was a, a captain in the Navy. And it was a weird way how God brought Kathy and him in our life. We were in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, Terry and I were just young, greenhorn uh, people that felt like God called in our life. So we showed up to Colorado Springs, went to Nazarene Bible College. And we, we started going to this church, and we, we said we want to volunteer, get engaged in the church. And so 
we <clears throat> were leading the college and career group, and there was a, a girl in there, and her, she was the daughter of this Kathy and Lynn Fitzgerald, this, this Captain Fitzgerald guy. And he was a big shot in the Navy. He was in NORAD and knew all this kind of stuff, and I was kind of a military buff. And, and so we kind of hit it off, and, and uh, next thing you know is this, this Kathy and Captain Fitz, they started including us and inviting us over to their home for lunch maybe after church, or they had some social settings. They started realizing we didn't have any kids. We didn't have any family. We're kind of all alone in the city. Like, hey, it's, it's this holiday. Why don't you come and hang out with us? Eventually, we, 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 we took a job as group home parents. And we had these, we were as, uh, group home parents for some delinquents of the state. And, and they would come over to our group home and say, hey, anything we can help you with, man? And started believing in us. Now, when we would hang out and socially, he would say, I'm from Minnesota, and we have this lake cabin place in, in Minnesota, and it's a big deal. And I was like, well, who cares? I don't care about the cabins. I'm, I've never been to Minnesota, probably never been to go to Minnesota. Who, who cares? I didn't pay attention, right? But I did pay attention how they loved us, and they included us and encouraged us. Well, eventually, we would move away. We'd go all the way to Ohio, and they would move to Atlanta, Georgia, and we stayed in touch. And, and they would uh, say, how's it going in ministry? And we want to send you some books, and we want to help you here and there and just encourage us. Like, great, man, that's, that's awesome, right? Eventually, God led us to, of all places, right? A Maple Grove, Minnesota. I'm like, are you kidding me, right? And at the same time, he says, hey, Jim, guess what? We're moving back to our home state. I'm a semi-retire up at our lake cabin. And, and at the same time, you're moving to Minnesota. I was like, oh, how about that? And, and then he, they would invite us up to their lake cabin. I was like, oh, now I get it, right? I get the lake thing now. Oh, this is sweet. Anytime you want to invite us, right in here, right? Sure enough, ring, ring, come on up. We go up there almost every uh, 4th of July. And they've always been super gracious because they always included us. And I can't tell you how many times that he has reinforced the things in my life. In fact, when he retired out of the Navy, he started working for a pair of ministry that helped churches raise money to build buildings and, and get rid of debt. And so I'm like, hey, we're, we're in that market. We've got this dream, the vision that we want to relocate and build this building and all this kind of stuff. He says, man, I can help you. And, and he would, I was like, yeah, but I mean, this is a big hill to climb. This thing's scary, and I don't know where the money and stuff, and, and he'd just, we'd take some walks on his cabin roads or float around on his pontoon boat, and, and he would just love on me and speak wisdom into me and say, you can do this thing. This is, this is how it kind of works, and, and try this and do that. In fact, we eventually hire him as our church consultant and walked along reinforcing the things of God in my life. Now, it didn't stop there. That I started realizing that he was uh, partnering with us. They didn't go to our church. They wasn't a member of our church. But Kathy and him would give significantly to our building campaign. He'd be like, yeah, I want to finish my pledge. I want to give. I was like, oh, I, I, I didn't know that you were giving. Yes, we want to see you through. That was very encouraging that he gave, that he reinforced, and that he included. And now it's our turn, right? Who can we include? Who's the next young couple that we see? Who are the other people that need some extra mom and dads or grandparents to just love on them and encourage them? And may God help us do that. Can you imagine if, uh, what kind of world this would be if we had people that are more gracious to give people the benefit of the doubt, to include them, to welcome them, to help them? So I, wanna, I just want to challenge you this week as you go. Um, that a little encouragement can make a lasting impact, and it sure did with Barnabas, and it can do with your life. So let's stand, and I'll close with prayer. 
Heavenly Father, wow, thank you for this unsung hero of Barnabas. How he just modeled some of the most important things. He might have not got all the headlines and the large press, but he was right there in the trenches with people. He was right there contributing, reinforcing, including, and it made a lasting impact. God, help us be open and aware of where we can do the same thing and to be an encourager because it can go a long ways. Help us now as we go to be your ambassadors. In Jesus' name, amen.